Did you know that the abortion debate is really all about you? Welcome to Thinking Biblically. My name is Alan Gilman. Thinking Biblically is a podcast dedicated to exploring how all Scripture speaks to all of life. Before we get into this week's topic, I would like to invite everyone, if you haven't already, to subscribe, to share, uh, remember to like uh, as well. All this really helps in getting the word out about this podcast. You can feel free to comment in the in the comment section below, or you can send me an email at comments at thinkingbiblically.org. Well, this week we're looking at the controversial topic of abortion. Uh, it's the topic has flared up in the in the news again, mainly due to the uh, recent U- U.S. Supreme Court leak about the possibility of overturning uh, Roe v. Wade, which uh, would have great implications for the United States. And here in Canada, where I am, uh, we we piggyback very much so on uh, what's going on in the United States, and so the the topic has has flared up again here and. Uh, as it always is, it's a hot political topic. We have uh, a leadership race happening with um, our current opposition party, and uh, so abortion has come up in the current leadership debate. Uh, abortion is, I might be correct in saying, it's the original polarizing topic. Uh, it's one of those things that you're either for it or against it, and there seems to me to be very little civil conversation discussion over this issue um it's very very emotional as you well know as you well know um i find it interesting perhaps troubling that we can't seem to simply discuss what is right or wrong on this issue based on whether or not what some may call the product of pregnancy whether it's a baby or not you think that would settle uh the conversation right there uh, speaking of being troubled, years ago I was talking to a relative uh, on this issue several decades ago now, and uh, they were very pro-abortion, and me and my wife are were not. Um, she didn't grow up that way. I didn't really think about it, um, or maybe I thought about it a little bit. I was in a, uh, a so-called health class in the States, actually. I lived for part of uh, the year when I was in grade 10, and... Um, I was doing this, it was called health and safety, and there was a an abortion part of the of the class, and we were simply told that it wasn't a baby. The the fetus, the whatever that was, was not a baby until about the fifth month. That's that's going back to 1973, which I guess that's a really good year with regard to this whole issue. Anyway, that's what we were told and that's what I believed, and not that I really thought about it that much. It wasn't until after I became a believer and began to look at some of these issues. You would think that if we could uh, clearly define what this thing is growing inside the woman, whether it's a baby or not, and what stage is a baby or not, if we if we were able to establish that, you'd think that would be the end of the conversation. But I, I was referring, and I got a little distracted, I distract myself sometimes, uh, talking to this relative years ago, 
uh, about this. And I simply said, but, but if it's a baby, what if it's a baby? And their response was, I don't care if it's a baby. And that was really shocking. And uh, I really wonder if, if, if that, I think it should make a difference if we can determine whether it's a baby, but I do wonder for some people if that really is is the issue it seems i guess not because as far as science is concerned it's pretty clear it's clear that life begins at at conception so getting back to that conversation i was having with this relative years ago um, i made a comment that you know, what if it's a baby what if it's a baby and their response was i don't care if it's a baby and that was shocking at that time and uh this this is one of the things that leads me to believe that there's a lot more going on than whether or not we can scientifically or scripturally prove that the product of pregnancy is a baby even at the at the earliest stage and so i think there's a lot more going on here that that's fueling the uh intense passion for abortion and that's what i want to focus on in this podcast that it's really not about abortion I actually think that there's something else that is influencing people that are pro-abortion, and I believe it's actually influencing, in a negative way, some pro-lifers as well. And so what I want to focus on today, as we talk about abortion, is you. It's you and me. There's a, a, a deep, deep question, and it is, who are we really? Do we really know what we are? Last week, I looked at what is the New Testament really for? And that might seem like a very strange question to a, a lot of Bible readers, uh, because there's all these assumptions. Well, it's God's Word. It, it's part of the Bible. Um, and, and that's it. But if we don't really understand how it's functioning in its place in Holy Scripture— then we're not going to understand it in the way that God intends for us to understand it. And it's the same thing for us as human beings. Do we really know what we're for? We can say all sorts of things, nice things, not so nice things about uh, the species, human beings, but what are we really for? And when we understand what we're for, we might understand what we're actually worth you know, you, you may be you've, you've seen these things uh, about you know if you if you break down the human body by our most basic elements, we're just worth about a dollar, um, with inflation maybe a dollar fifty. Um, but is is that really it? And I was actually just before I, I started doing this, I was looking up other opinions on on that alone, and uh, there's so many different ways that you can look at. The, the the just the physical value of, of of human beings like how much is a hand worth how much is a brain worth how much is a heart worth um that we're we're and and even there that's 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 so crass actually because we're we are a complex system just our our bodies alone there's so much more than just our bodies what is a a human life actually worth and what we want to see we want to see that from God's perspective. After all, this is thinking biblically. So how do we think biblically about human beings? And, and I believe that if we could get a better understanding of how God sees us, 
uh, as, as as what we are as human beings, the better we can understand the abortion issue, how we should relate to it, what we should do about it, and so on. And as, as I mentioned, like, you might be pro-life, but at a very, very basic level, if we don't really understand who we are, what we're for, what we're worth, it's going to affect how we actually look at at babies, as uh, preborn babies, born babies, children, adolescents, adults, you and me. And so let's go back to the beginning and and uh, and see what we find in Genesis. I'm reading Genesis chapter one verses twenty six and twenty seven. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. There's a couple different words for for man in the Hebrew. One is ish. Uh, Here it's adam, where we get the name Adam from. Uh, and so, it, and it's being used in in a couple of, of different ways. Uh, it, it used to be, it's used in a couple of different ways. Sometimes it's the name of this particular individual, Adam. Um, it could be referring to the, uh, the man uh, as a generic male, but it can also be used to refer in a generic way to human beings. And some translations try to. Uh, to make it sound more contemporary and use the term human beings and or mankind uh but it's important to to try to reflect the as much as we can the the sense of the original and uh that's one of the things i prefer about the uh eastern eastern <laughs> the english standard version esv you can see the esv study bible behind me um uh i don't i don't see any english translation as in itself the, the final word on how to represent Holy Scripture. Uh, many English translations are, are excellent. Um, and when studying, we should use various ones. I don't want to go down the tangent of English translation. It's actually been on my mind uh, the past uh, week or so, and, and it's probably a topic that we should deal with at, at some point. Um, and it is kind of interesting because I was in a service recently, and, and this passage was read, and I saw some differences between uh, different translations on this, um, and but I, so I'm a, I'm a fan of trying to represent the original as much as possible, and then as we study it, get the sense of what uh, what the original is is saying. And as I said, I don't want to go too far down that, that tangent. But here, where in verse 26, where we read, "Let us make man in our image," God is speaking generically about human beings. Males and males and females equally. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. So, what was the purpose of making man? What did God actually do? First and foremost, He made us in His image. Uh, we are to reflect Him. Now, there are that word for image. It's not the same as idol. If you look at the Ten Commandments in, in Exodus twenty, it's a different word uh, for uh, graven image. Uh, this is an image similar to when somebody is born and they seems that they look like their dad. This kind of thing we might say the spitting image of a particular parent. That where the physical, um, the, the physic, the physical 
look of the the offspring uh, reflects the physical look of the of the parent. Uh, but of course, because God's not physical, uh, God God is spiritual as a spirit. Um, it, it doesn't mean that, but it, it there is a sense in which the human being was created as a reflection of the creator. And then a word that appears to be synonymous, after our likeness. We're supposed to, in a sense, look, we were created to look like God. And we we see, and, and this is emphasized by the next part, which I'll read again in a second, that our main role given to us by God, by us being created in a special way, different from the other living things up to, up to that point, uh, that uh, we were made to represent God in the world. That's why, and continuing in the verse, and let them have dominion. And, and, and notice, it says, let us make man singular. That's ge- generic. That, it's that generic sense of, of man. And let them whether it's the man and woman or collectively human beings, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So our we were given a role to rule, the role to rule over the creation. We were put in charge. And so in the, the makeup of things and the way God created uh, the universe is God is king. God rules over everything as the as a sovereign over all creation then he delegated this awesome responsibility to human beings to take care of planet earth and so we represent god's interests and god's rulership on the earth that is what we're for i like to say how we were made on purpose and for a purpose we are God's purposeful creation. We are God's purposeful special creation, different from all the other uh, animals and vegetation. And we were made for a purpose. We were made for the purpose to be stewards, caretakers, rulers over the planet. And so then we, in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Uh, we, we, could go, we could go deep into this. Maybe we'll come back to another time. But this is something I was really struck in this, in this um, sermon I heard, uh, heard the other week. And this, this play on the singular and, and, and the plural. And, and we see here when God created human beings as a, as a collective, um, he made male and female equal, equally to be part of that collective of human beings who would equally rule over the creation. While at the same time, very clearly as part of the creation, male and female are distinct. And so we have this beautiful picture of diversity in unity, but together we reign over the earth. And so we see that because we have been made on purpose and for a purpose by God to be reflect and, and to be on earth, to be reflective of Him, every human being is heavenly royalty. 
every human being who is living, who has lived, who will ever live, we have a pedigree given to us by God. We were purposely formed by Him to represent Him on planet Earth. We are all royalty. Now, this is one of the reasons why, why evil is as bad as it is. People get really worked up over um, if God knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin and that they would bring in the curse and bring in all this evil in the world. Why did God allow this to happen? And, and I believe uh, however it works, however this idea of God allowing or God causing, God, I'm not God. I don't believe the Bible makes th those things really clear. I believe he's in control, but how that control actually works, it's something I, 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 want, to, uh, I want to investigate further. Uh, but one of the things that he, in, in his rule over the earth, he actually allotted to human beings this, this gift of responsibility, that the ability to make decisions. He, he did not want to treat us, or he didn't create us as puppets that he would simply control with wires and strings, but that we were to willfully purposely reflect his goodness and his desires as we took care of, of planet earth and in some way that i don't fully understand he allowed us to make right or wrong decisions because it seemed it, it was important it was essential for us to make those determinations in a sense on our own under his guidance and so that's why, at, since we are God's representatives, when we blow it, we blow it royally. We have the effect of when royalty, when, when powerful leaders mess up, the, it has a great effect on, the, on all those that they have rulership over. And so since we are royalty, when we mess up, it causes great, great damage. Now, not all people um, have the same influence and effect as other people, but we, we're dynamite. We, we, we are, can so easily uh, be used for the, the worst purposes. That, that, what, and it's amazing, You're just a word. Just a word we say, we can, we can make or break a situation. We can make or break another human being just on, based on something that we say or don't say. A commitment that we keep or don't keep. How we take care of others and things makes a huge difference. And that's because human beings are powerful. Human beings are powerful because we've been given that power by God. And that power is so powerful because we've been given authority by God to rule over this planet. And so it really makes a difference how we live, what we do. You know, this, the, as, as time has gone on, we're, we've been um, 
more and more influenced by an idea that like just whatever, just do whatever, 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 whatever. It doesn't really matter that life is meaningless. And this is one of the one of the issues with the whole evolutionary thinking that things happen on their own. Not this idea of naturalism, that the, the world is just made up of, of materialistic stuff. And while life might look like it has meaning, it doesn't have meaning. And people have been taught that for generations now. And most people don't, don't actually think in philosophical terms. They wouldn't necessarily be able to articulate how they think about life. But we've bought in to this, this meaninglessness where discussions about morality are, are, are irrelevant because nothing really matters. And, and then life becomes simply about pleasure and about, about ourselves and, 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 and focus completely on ourselves and what's best for me. And I, I started off in the little teaser at the beginning that, that the abortion topic, it, it's really all about you and me. And in a sense, it is. It's in, both in a positive way and a negative way. In a negative way, because so much of it is simply about you and me, and that, that I'm the most important thing, and everybody else just get out of the way. That that I'm going to live my life the way I want to, um, and it really doesn't matter what anybody thinks or feels. It's all about me. But interestingly, that all about me doesn't really take into consideration who we really are because we understood who we really are as being made in god god's image after his likeness on purpose and for a purpose then we would begin to think of ourselves differently and if we would think of our and in this much more positive divine sort of way not that we're god but there's a sense that we were designed to be godlike godly in representing god his interests his goodness his purposes, his plans. And, and it seems to me, because we don't think of ourselves properly, then we read that onto everybody else. Nobody matters. If life is meaningless, my life is meaningless, it's just for myself and my pleasure, then it just becomes a power struggle. And that's one of the things that's going on today. And it's actually being being taught that way. It's all about a power struggle. And those people were in power, and, and we were a victim uh, under their oppression, and now it's our turn, and we're going to be in power. It's this power struggle. And so biblical uh, concepts of, of love and forgiveness and kindness and patience has real no relevance because it's really all about this power struggle. But if we really understood that all of us have been called to this higher purpose, we were designed by God to be like royalty in this world, and then would treat everybody else and understand that we're all royalty together and everybody deserves the royal treatment. Oh, what a difference that would make. But then that brings us back to what then is the product of pregnancy? Is the product of pregnancy just a clump of cells? Uh, is it is it is it just like an unnecessary organ? Um, I was talking about tonsils uh, with with one of my uh, one, one of my kids the other day, and just thinking back on when we were kids. And um, I got to be careful because I don't know a lot about this, but it was so common back when I w- when I was a kid. If 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 you were somebody that had lots of sore throats, which was me, uh, very often uh, 
it would be advised that the tonsils had to come out. I don't think they took out the whole tonsils, but they, they took out this thing. And these things called the adenoids. I should have looked that up before I started. They would also take out the, we don't need those adenoids, just throw them out. And, uh, and I don't know what the, the full effect of, of that was, but that was, that's what it was like in that day. And there's, and there's, there's certain elements of, you know, of, of, of life and in the human body. Well, I don't need that. Just throw it out. And uh, so this idea that the product of pregnancy is just a clump of cells. And then this is, I referred to this earlier. It, it really strikes me of like, why would, pro, if, if it's a clump of cells, why would pro-lifers be so adamant that it's wrong, that abortion is wrong? Um, if, if it really is just a clump of cells and it's, it's a sort of thing, well, you know, you're, you're, what is going on in you might become a baby. And so maybe we, you know, you decide now, now that you know that you're this thing called pregnant and you have this, this kind of substance is kind of brewing in this little soup of cells, then if it's not really, uh, cause it's not a baby, it's just this clump of cells. So now you can decide, you can decide whether you do you really want, you know, you did the thing that where pregnancy comes from, you decided to do that. Um, and I know in some cases, it's not a choice, uh, in the case of sexual assault, and, and that's very serious. And now you're in a situation where this this thing called pregnancy is is, is happening, and uh, it's kind of interesting to think that perhaps that this thing that's happening to you is is still at this stage whereby you can go, hmm, I've got this clump of cells, and if I if I just leave the clump of cells doing whatever it's doing in in my body, then. Um, I'm going to have a baby, and so, but I don't want to have a baby. So let's get rid of the clump of cells so that I don't have a baby. Now, if if that is really how it works, that would be that'd be interesting. Um, that if you were able to ha get a choice like that, um, so you know you could you know, you you couldn't decide you could decide not to have a baby by not doing that thing that causes pregnancy in the first place. Uh, but then when you do that thing and you end up with this thing that is the result of things happening uh, in the body, it'd be interesting if there was a way to go, hmm, um, I, I don't want to go along with this thing. And so this clump of cells, you know, out you go. And if, uh, theoretically, I don't believe that that's, that's exactly what's going on, but let's say theoret theoretically, if that's what it was, um, I would, I, I think I'd be open to that. But that's not what's going on there. There's this, there's this un. I, I struggle with using the word unbelievable because it's the, it's the way it really is. That 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 thing that we call pregnancy uh, is 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 so extraordinary uh, that um, we have you know male male and female come together. The male brings the sperm. The female brings the egg, and the sperm by itself, if you leave it alone, as and uh, uh, leave it alone where it is, or wherever it goes by itself, it's sperm, and it just it's it'll always be sperm. And the the woman's egg ovum, just leave it alone, and and it it goes every month. It doesn't get if you don't get pregnant. I don't need to make too light of all this. An egg will remain an egg. Ovum will remain an ovum. Um, it no change will happen to it. It'll 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 eventually disintegrate, of course, and, and die on its own. But it's not going to become anything but an egg when you just leave it. 
And there's a lot of things in life that's like that. You know, you know, there are things you can stick them together um, and uh, they'll always be uh, what they are. It's the thing about a sandwich, I guess, you know, you got the bread and the meat. You can call it a sandwich, but the meat stays the meat and the bread stays the bread, even when it's a sandwich. Um, now, of course, when you're baking, you put flour and water together, then things combine and they become a little different. Well, there's a difference that happens when the sperm enters the egg. And I was I was um, reading up on that a little bit in preparation for this. And it is astounding what happens and the changes that occur immediately, including the fact that the, the something happens immediately when the sperm enters the egg, the egg closes up so another sperm can't get in. And all these things happen before you, anyone can detect pregnancy. All these um, physical things occur in, inside the woman's body. But as soon as the sperm enters the egg, those two things that on their own would always be what they are, once they're fused together, that's the best term, you've got something different. It's, it's like a, a, a physical miracle that occurs. It's almost like magic as these two things come together and a new thing is created. And in a sense, left to itself, not, not completely left to itself, as long as it gets the nurture that it needs, and in in the you know vast majority of times, um, when all things go well, the fusion of of the of the egg and the sperm will become is already as soon as that happens, it's already an in a sense an identifiable identifiable different entity that is human life and as long as it's properly nurtured it will all that it needs to do at this point is develop into a mature human being over time which of course that doesn't that doesn't um that's not all to do with the the pregnancy time that doesn't have all to do with the post pregnancy time uh, maturity for a human being doesn't happen until into many years later so we're in a life process um, throughout all the years. And, and where, did, where did my life start? Where did my life as an individual human being start? Well, it started with that infusion of the egg and the sperm, what we call fertilization. And so the only, the only way for that to not be, fully become a mature adult human being is would have to either get something would have to go wrong either in a sense naturally go, go wrong and remember that naturally could be something can go wrong within the woman resulting in something like a miscarriage or it could go wrong by getting hit by a truck that's some of the way things can go wrong sometimes there could be sickness things can go wrong uh but all being all being well, the only way to stop that development is to purposely kill it. And that's that's the thing we need to take into consideration. Now, what are we killing? Now I know that maybe there's some people that have a hard time even killing a mosquito. The mosquitoes have come out here in with a vengeance lately. And and personally, I have no issue with killing a mosquito. Um, I won't go into further things that I, I don't have an issue killing. Uh, 
actually a little bit bad. Um, not about the mosquitoes. Maybe even a little. But the idea of killing something alive, it actually bothers me. It does. It bothers me. Um, and, and today, it's one of the things that's so interesting to me about this issue, um, that there's so much interest in preserving life, like maybe never before in, in, in history. Uh, the, um, I remember years ago, I was working at a camp, and some birds made a nest in a precarious place. And um, I can't remember all the issues about why it was determined it would be a good idea to, to, to move it. And uh, we had some some counselors who were specialized in nature, and they were very upset that the maintenance people came and moved the nest because that could totally upset the 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 process of the of the birds. I don't personally don't know a lot about that, but they were all upset about moving the nest. And uh, and of course, there's been so much concern about preserving various species. And uh, my understanding too is like um, we've had issues in the past with we've had raccoons in our attic in a an old house that, that we had and there's different views about that apparently um they the conservation people they don't want you uh killing the raccoons or killing squirrels no with squirrels rather not raccoons with squirrels and we're, we're not supposed to kill the squirrels uh we have to preserve the squirrels even though they're causing all this problem so there's got to be a way to get them out alive and all the rest of it and um I, i'm sympathetic i'm sympathetic to that um, I don't think we should go out of our way necessarily uh, to um, just just kill life for any for any reason. Um, so one one of the things I've often thought about in this in this discussion that I've always wanted to share in, in some sort of public forum is um, this idea that the the woman has a right to do you know with her own body whatever she wishes, uh, but fails to understand. This relates exactly to what we're talking about today: is the responsibility. It, it, the responsibility that she's bearing, literally bearing a responsibility, uh, and is that not what's going on? So, if going back to the birds and a nest, so if in your front lawn you have a tree, and some birds make a nest, and and there's eggs in the nest, but you you don't want it's like it's right over your your driveway, and the birds are 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 pooping like crazy on your car, and you hate that, so you want to get rid of the birds. Well, someone said, wait a second, there are baby, there's eggs there, there's going to be babies there. And should you, shouldn't you, but I didn't ask the birds to be there. I didn't ask them to come there. This is my land, this is my, in my car, and this is, and they're making a mess on my car. And, and so, be, you know, I have every right to get rid of them. And some, some would say that you, that you do, but there's a lot of people, the same people that are so upset about what might happen with the reversal of Roe versus Wade, that uh, they would defend, they would defend the right of the birds to have that nest there and have their babies there. And, and you just have to put up with the mess. And that has to do with all of a sudden, your sphere of influence, your property has all of a sudden a responsibility came to you. You didn't ask for it. Now, with pregnancy, most of the time, there's agreement prior to uh, this responsibility of, of pregnancy. It's not exactly like the birds happening to come and build a nest on your property. But, but and that and that adds to this 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 whole discussion. If 
we could accept that we have a responsibility to take care of these birds that we didn't ask for, how much more responsibility do we have towards a pregnancy that maybe we were hoping wouldn't occur, even though we created a situation where pregnancy was likely? It's one of the things about this issue of unplanned pregnancy. Well, what do you what do you think you were doing? Um, and maybe you didn't want to have a child at this time. I, I get that. And having children is a major responsibility. I think we're going to look at that a little bit in a moment. But what is the child worth? What is the human being that's being carried inside the woman worth? And if we could understand how valuable somehow we're able to uh many of us are able to understand the value of the baby birds and of the squirrels and the raccoons and the skunks and yet for some reason we don't get the value of that growing human being and that it it's treated as a nothing that could be snuffed up snuffed out similar to my attitude toward the mosquito. Isn't there something wrong about that? No, maybe you already believe that. Maybe you believe all that. You are pro-life. Like, we're pro-life. We, we understand that's a baby. But I wonder sometimes, do we really understand the baby's value? Because it comes down to the value of every human being. So let me ask, what do you think about children in general? Are you firm or again them? Years ago, and I ended up writing an article on, on this many years ago, um, I, uh, I heard this call-in show. It's from the States. And uh, this pastor um, was asked about the... the about having children, having lots of children, that sort of thing. And uh, the idea of, you know, the value of birth control, which is a conception control, actually. there's a, Well, there's birth control and conception control. Let's not get too distracted again. Uh, but um, so he, he made a comment. He said, back when people lived on farms, children were assets. Now that everyone's living in cities, by and large, most people are living in cities, they're liabilities. And, and this was a Bible-type pastor. He believed in preaching the Bible. And I was thinking, what is he saying? The Bible so clearly teaches that children are a blessing. They are a reward. And he's calling them liabilities? It was always difficult to raise children. For most of history, most people lived in great poverty and so, it, yes, having a big family helped because you had more farmhands and that sort of thing. But raising little children and those mouths to feed, that's, that's, they've always been a challenge. Human beings, hello, human beings are a challenge. We're not easy to get along with. It's, you know, some people think of children as a nuisance. Well, in some sense, people are a nuisance. And, and we're not easy to handle. And a lot of that is because we are royalty and we're none of us because of sin, 
because of the curse that's upon us, we are all broken. And so we're all difficult in, in one way or another, sometimes in lots of ways. Human beings are rough. And, and yet we're called to love one another and to serve one another. And what we need to do, what I need to do, is begin to look at the most difficult people in our lives and understand who they really are, that we're all royalty, and that actually we're a blessing. I know we don't always act like a blessing, but we need to help one another to become more of who we really are. So when we share the good news about the coming of the Messiah with people, and when we teach his word, we're we're not really calling people to be something other. Most of us are already other. We're not living lives that are reflective of God. We're not living as people who are truly the image of God. The image has been marred. Uh, our, our royalty has been tainted. And by God's goodness, through his forgiveness, through the Messiah, and by the power of his spirit and his word, we could be royalty, live out the, the royal life we've been called to live. And we, so we, it starts with looking at people through that lens, understanding who we all are. And so when there is a product of pregnancy, what are we looking at? What is the potential of that new human being growing in that, in that woman? That person is a blessing. That person is a royal blessing made in God's image of infinite value. And so then, shouldn't we welcome children as much as possible into this world, and yet in, in so much of the world today, we do all sorts of things to prevent that from happening. But why? Oh, it's, it's the world's such a horrible place. Well, who's going to fix the horrible place? Who did God assign to fix the horrors of planet Earth? People. Oh, well, we couldn't do it. That's why we needed the Messiah. L yes and no. The Messiah has come not so that just he, that he could do it all and that he could fix it all and then we're just going to enjoy it in some kind of nondescript eternity. No, he established a mission that we're to join and we're to join him in his mission of renewal and recreation, of restoring first and foremost to human beings their royal call. Oh, but life is so hard. Life is so expensive. Oh, but doesn't the Bible teach that God will provide, um, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you? Are we going to believe that or not believe that? I want to believe that. It's not always easy to believe that. My wife and I have raised 10 children. It's not been easy. And we've struggled. And God has provided over and over and over again in so many different ways, sometimes through work, sometimes through gift, sometimes through change of circumstance. Too many stories to tell at this point. But somehow God enabled us to see human beings for what they're actually worth and welcome them into this world based on God's own decree of who humans are. Have I done a 
super job as and, you know, some super dad. No, I've really blown it. Have I always looked at my kids through the eyes of God? No. But most of the times when I've been frustrated with them, it's, it's me, it's my junk, my stuff that I've, I've had to deal with. And I'm longing to fully comprehend this very topic I'm sharing with you today. What is our value? Because it really is infinite. And we really are the solution to the problems of this planet. We need more of us, not less of us. And I, I wonder if, if some of what is going on is, is um, we have visions of, of what our lifestyle should be and what kind of life that we should be living. And we don't want to give up certain uh, luxuries that, that we now think of as necessities. And that's why we don't welcome the children into our lives as we should. I can't speak for your particular situation. You need to seek God. But it starts with having a godly biblical view of what human life is really worth and what human life is really all about and what God's plans and purposes for people are. And that's, once we get that, we're going to be able to look at our children through godly eyes. We'll be able to look at pregnancy through godly eyes. It's, I don't think it's good enough to just speak against abortion. We need to be speaking for life. And of course, this is not just about bringing more babies into the world. Because some people do really face what we might call a crisis pregnancy. To be pregnant brings a certain type of crisis to their lives, and we need to help those people. And thank God for the agencies and, and individuals that are out there trying to help people struggling with bringing uh, uh, pregnancies to term and helping uh, mothers who are struggling. And that's why I believe these pregnancy care centers are worthy of our support. But that starts with understanding the value of human beings. And that's what I've been trying to share as, as best I could at this point today. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to me at comments at thinkingbiblically.org. Remember to, you can put comments below, do uh, share this podcast with others. And uh, again, please be in touch with me. Let me know if you disagree with me. I would love to have um, a, a civil uh, discussion with you. And we can pursue these things further in, 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 in future podcasts. So until next time, this is Alan Gilman with Thinking Biblically. Mm -hmm.